0: So what what we look at is, you know, they have the idea, the dream. We're the people that take that idea, put it on paper, get the panelized package so that they can then go through and end up with the house they want, but also control and understand what they're building.
1: Welcome everyone to episode 43 of the panelized prefab kit home building show. With me, as he always is for the podcast, is the president and founder of Landmark Home and Land Company, a company which has been helping people build their new homes where they want, exactly as they want, nationwide and around the globe since 1993, Mr. Steve Tuma. Steve, how are you, buddy? Yeah, pretty good.
0: Pretty another good day good. helping
1: people build houses <laughs> pretty good is good I'd say yeah um i since our last episode, I've been thinking about what this episode should be all about, and i I think we've been hitting on some things that we probably i would have thought we'd have gotten to in past uh past podcasts, but here we are on uh you know episode forty three and there's a couple things we haven't touched on yet, so um I want to get into something today that uh seems to me it would have been a very in topic uh, important topic for anyone looking to become a new home owner and builder, and that's uh building sites, the actual physical property on uh, which one plans on putting up a house. So if you're good about this let's talk let's talk all things build site today and, I, and I'd like to take uh, take these one at a time to be precise about the pros and cons of you know whatever sort of lot one might choose to acquire for their new home.
0: Yeah, that that's that's kind of interesting because a lot of people think, oh, a piece of dirt's a piece of dirt. You know, <laughs> hey, I'll just go buy an acre or city lot or whatever it may right. be, or fifty acres, and and go go build it. But what I found in my own projects, and even as we get in a, a variety of different building sites, t- sides of mountains, waterfront, you know, whether it's lakefront or oceanfront or whatever it may be, or you know, flat land and in the plains, whatever it may be that there's there's always little complication or potential for complications. Sure. And what I found in my own is if it touches dirt, there's a bigger risk. <laughs> because, first of all, you can't really see what's under the dirt. Mm-hmm. There's also a perception situation. Like, like you know, we we're going to talk about flat lots. Right. What's well, kind of interesting, you could go to what appears to be a flat piece of land and just a perspective from where our eyes are in relation to the ground – It may be flat, but where the house is, from the front to the back of the house, there could be a two- or three-foot difference. Mm -hmm. But if you're walking on it, it may appear to be flat. We also had a funny situation. This this is more like, you know, funny just little building humor. The person said, I have a flat lot, so we asked for some topographical things. We asked for some details, and I came out. I'm like, this isn't a flat lot. This is a side of a mountain. Hmm the customer said it it is flat it's just on an angle going down <laughs> so so sometimes we 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 need to work on what what's going on mm-hmm. with, with the piece of land so that that was once and it it's kind of more of just a, a funny point to you know understand what is a flat lot what mm-hmm. is what it what is a slope because it can be very deceiving walking out there yourself mm-hmm. to to really get what's going on but it's It's not just the grade, is it flat, is it on an angle, is it on the side of a mountain, whatever it may be, but it's what's under the ground, especially if you're going to do things like get a well. Mm -hmm. Can you access water? Is it easy? If it's uh, municipal water, is the water connection in the front of your lot, or is it half mile down the road? Mm -hmm. The same with uh, sewage systems. Can you connect the sewer? Can you have a septic system? So some places you, well, if you're going to have a septic, you generally have someone come out, do a soil boring to find out what the soil conditions are like so that they can uh, properly design a septic. So someone could have a big piece of land and, you know, kind of think, hey, I could just put the septic everywhere. Well, that may or may not be the case, There might, but there might be more of an optimal place to have it, which can limit the, the location of the house. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of things going on in the land, and we, we can help them. But the big thing of how it affects the, the cost is the foundation. Mm-hmm. So if you have uh, literally a flat piece of land or as flat as a piece of land can be, you can put a slab on there, a crawl space, a basement, You know, depending what's typically done uh, for that, that type of land. and And it should typically work. But then if you go to the side of a hill... There could be different geotechnical conditions, landslide conditions, uh, but there's also opportunity walkout basements, lookout basements, different mm-hmm. things like that. But then some places when you get into more steep land, you gotta have grading plans, drainage to make sure that you're that you can access the house, a safe driveway. Can you get into the front door? Right. You know different things like that. But but we're experienced in that. We we can guide people on 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 the way to uh to get it put together so what's interesting is we've worked on flat land we've heard on worked on the sides of mountains we've worked in well yeah, that's why before,
1: before we get too far ahead of ourselves, I actually want to take these sort of one at a time. I know it sounds but just for the layman, you know, like we've we've hit upon flat lots, properties that are actually just straight level. And okay. you know, you say well the one, you know, one person's flat place is another person's slope. But give us let's start with flat lots. Let's say it's an absolutely flat lot that I were to buy to build on. Give us the lowdown on on are these usually an easier option and are they generally more cost effective if it's yes. just a solid piece of flat ground
0: Yes it's just easier to work with mm-hmm. you know laying laying the foundation out excavating and installing a foundation mm-hmm. it's a lot easier you know so say say you had a a 9 foot basement and a flat piece of land mm-hmm. and these are rough numbers for the example you you excavate give or take 8 feet down mm-hmm. And you put an eight foot wall all the way around it on a simpler design it's it's easier mm-hmm. it's easier to do that if you took that same house and stuck it on a side of a hill well the mm-hmm. back of it might have a nine foot wall the side might have a six foot wall a four foot wall a right. two foot wall and then the the front of it may not have a wall it may have a a little you know frost wall or some type of a little um, wall to support the front portion of a home so just by making things simple uniform consistent it's going to be more affordable to build than if you had a foundation with a bunch of different wall heights a different a bunch of different footer depths a bunch of different footer sizes mm-hmm. so in general a
1: flat lot um, for the purpose of foundation will will be easier to work with that's not to scare people away from other types of lots. I would say it's just that a lot of, like you said, it's regional. If you're if you're in the Midwest, you're going to find a lot of flat lots. So, but um, you know, I, let's say I want to, I, I found a piece of property that I love. I love the the surrounding area, the views, but it's a sloped lot. Now you said something interesting about. I thought it was interesting about opportunity. So there must be uh, what did, what opportunities and advantages can there be to selecting a property that's on a slightly sloped lot that the customer uh, provides to you generally the opportunities are those it's it's a lifestyle mm-hmm.
0: they want the view it's a rustic area you know mm-hmm. a slope lot like that it's generally hillside or mountainside so sure. there there's something with the view they like the view they're into you know different types of sports where they are in areas where they they choose to be more active maybe it's waterfront it's on a bluff overlooking to it so what it allows you to do is maybe have more houses more parts of the homes with view mm-hmm. sometimes people if you know if it's a family getting together making like a little compound for the family you know each family takes a different level or the, hey the kids are downstairs or hey there's a there's a you know a TV room or entertainment room. So it really allows the flexibility. But I found that the people that are doing those, they just enjoy the nature of the atmosphere. Sure. And they really want to take advantage of it. Because generally, if you're on a slope, there's some type of view there, mm-hmm. a good view or, or an exceptional view. So that's the opportunity to design your view to bring the outside in. And while you're inside, still enjoy the outside. Mm-hmm. So – it's in that case. It's not just the cost of the foundation and the proper design and drainage of of the water going around the foundation. It's getting into windows. Mm-hmm. Where where do you want the master bedroom? You know, you're probably not going to put your laundry room facing the ocean. <laughs>
1: right. you, know, you're, you know, there's going to be a
0: suite, a, a you know, big grand great room type type thing. So that that's what it is. So in that case. Um, there, there's different budgets, different designs that people might want to work with to really fully take advantage of that. Mm-hmm. It's usually a different person um, that's building on flat land than if they're building on on the side of a hill. It's sure. it's, it's more of a. You know, hey, I, I I want to do it. I've been wanting to do it. It's my retirement home, or hey, I, I just want want to be in a different place. Now, a lot of people hate walking uphill. <laughs> a, a, a lot of people do, but we. You
1: know, if you're a rock climber, walking up a thirty foot exactly. hill is is nothing. <laughs> That's, That's right. just something you do. That's you know? right. so do you find so, that? Do you find that people when they buy land that? That their personality fits that land, is that something that you think is uh holds true? well, yes, for different reasons because mm-hmm. let let's just say you you have someone
0: that's into restoring cars mm-hmm. or a car collector they're in general going to want to have the flat land, say they have a little track in their backyard, or they just you know like to drive their car around if they have a lot of acreage. Mm-hmm. Or they just want place to park it and wash it and you know have their friends come over and barbecue and mm-hmm. you know talk cars. They in general will want a, a flat lot, right? Okay, um, we have done houses like that where it's flat on the front and then you know the house goes down the back with with the view. Um, yeah, people that are into uh, nature, hunting, fishing, rock climbing, um, whitewater rafting are probably going to be in areas where there's where there's. Uh, <laughs> You know, those type of hillside lots to take advantage. So Mm -hmm. it kind of does lead to it. Uh, Sometimes people build by a beach because they love the beach. Sure. They want to be there and walk out their door and be on the sand and see the ocean and the sunrise or the sunset. So so it does do it. People kind of gravitate. There are, there are also some people that are like, hey, I'm just a part of my life where I have to live in this spot for my job, my kid to be in the right school. Mm-hmm. So we're doing this, but we still want to take advantage of it. So maybe they want to retire in the mountains, but right now they're in the suburbs someplace. But yeah. we're still at, at that point able to enhance the
1: home so that it still gives them the quality of life that they choose. And you brought up something interesting about, you know, living where your job is. And a lot of people work in the city and even the suburbs are sometimes a little too far out. So what about building within a city itself? Uh, I'd imagine that provides its own unique set of challenges to anyone who has, you know, purchased land in an urban location. Um, how difficult can those builds be? Well, it can really be interesting depending on where it is, because it's not just the building of
0: the soil. Some some of these uh in city infill lots are just big bureaucracies. Mm-hmm. You go into a New York or a Chicago, it's it's a whole different game mm-hmm. than, than finding a small lot, say, on a, in a city but a smaller um, type of community. So there's a lot of different situations there, and sometimes just the actual method of building. If, if you're building on a 25-foot lot where you could build right up to the lot line, there's just not a place when you excavate to take the dirt out. For so sure. they have to take the dirt out, remove it. Mm-hmm put the foundation in, then bring it back in. So there there could be uh, different complications. But within that, there's uh, the situation where a lot of these cities are giving lots away for a dollar if you develop them.
1: Ah, wow,
0: that's interesting. Be, be, because they, they want to do it. But also, there there are a lot of people that build in the, the city, but there's also a lot of people because of telecommuting. Mm-hmm. They might work in the city, have to go in once a week or once every two weeks. So mm-hmm. So they're building in the country, but but building in the city, um, just because depending on what city it is, um, you could have issues with, you know, how how you can deliver materials, how things get built, uh, local practices, union situations, wh- whatever it may be. So cities cities can be a uh, an interesting challenge, um, but we have worked with development groups that go through. Say like a Habitat for Humanity that's working, and they'll work with city infill lots, so we mm-hmm. we can work with them. And in those cases, sometimes the lot's twenty five feet by a hundred, sometimes it's thirty two by seventy five, whatever it may be. So that's how we're able to go through, come up with a design, so they could still take advantage of the footprint to mm-hmm. to kind of get the bang for the buck on out of the lot and, and end up with with what they want. But some of the city projects are they're just. They're a different type of challenge, but it it's just a different viewpoint on on building a home where we're able to help mm. but like i say it's it's different if you were to do one in an in infill lot say in a Chicago compared to if if you were like in a you know a smaller city mm-hmm. you know where where things might be accessible and you know just the processes for building might be a little bit easier
1: right. So next on my list is, uh, it's one that we all sort of dream of at one time or another, and that's oceanfront property. And I, I'd love to d- build my dream home on the ocean, uh, aside from the, the crazy price of oceanfront property nowadays. What, what are some of the channel, uh, challenges I'd face if, if I were to build at the beach, and how can Landmark Home and Land Company help me to overcome some of those challenges?
0: Hey, let me back up. I, I mentioned some. I forgot to mention something. Sure. Sometimes in the city, there's historic commissions you have to. work I was going to ask you about that,
1: but I thought I'd move on. But yeah, go ahead. Let's no, talk I, I got to bring that. you know.
0: Hey, George Washington slept yeah, here. Yeah, let's of talk thing.
1: about that. That's interesting. It's,
0: that's more on the East Coast. Sometimes San Francisco, but mm-hmm. yeah. Sorry, I, I meant to bring this yeah, up. But it's but good. it's it's really cool because sometimes you have to like really hit exactly the essence of the old home. Right. Kind of the old home old home design new products right? and then other times you have to have the essence of it so a steep roof with you know 10 foot ceilings and mm-hmm. taller windows but you can still kind of give the little modern twist to today's life. Sure. Yeah. Like some, in some of these old com- communities they'll have port co when you would bring your horse carriage up and get out of <laughs> your horse carriage. Now right. I don't know that many people that do that there are some you know some uh, some communities that still do that but you may not build a port co-share and something like that. You'd have a different type of car set up or, or something for uh, for transportation. So some of them are flexible. The point to it is we can work with those different communities. And that also gets to homeowners associations, which are they are a little different, but it's a variety of rules that you have to work with. Mm-hmm. to uh to make sure that the home complies with the regulations to build in the community have
1: you guys said landmark home and land company had that experience of dip build, like building in historic areas and oh yeah we have a couple right now you really i i can imagine that might be a headache in a lot of ways
0: you know it's it's a it's a neat challenge because we've been doing this for 30 years and you think you see everything <laughs> right and then like we have a family uh building in uh And Leadville, Colorado, it's the highest populated city in in the the 48 states, I believe. And it's an old mining community with a real eclectic kind of design, Mm -hmm. kind of little hodgepodge of put this here and put this here. But over time, it's developed its own unique architecture. Mm -hmm. So even though it's funky kind of little hodgepodge put it together, it's the character of the neighborhood that makes it such a unique place where people want to live. So sometimes it's like, hey, every, everything's Georgian. It's kind of East Coast. Other times it's like, hey, it's a mining community. Mm-hmm. People built houses that were a little different. Right. They had a certain look. Sometimes there were miners, so there were more affordable houses. Other times it was the you know the wealthier side mm-hmm. where people had to have certain looks. And some of these communities are actually very planned to go through to make sure that the house really, really blends in mm-hmm. Um not just the architectural design, but sometimes the landscaping, the flow of the land. So yeah. it's it's actually kind of fun. It's 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 uh
1: it's just a, a different type of challenge. But just to build something that sticks out like a sword foam in an historic district, I can imagine that there would be rules and regulations for sure. Right. Um, right. So let's get back to ocean my dream. Front. Yeah, my dream, <laughs> the oceanfront property. So, you know, let's say I want to build on the ocean. Uh, what are the challenges I can expect on an oceanfront lot? Well, that's really interesting
0: because the ocean covers a lot of place. Mm-hmm. So there's kind of West Coast, you know, in California with coastal commissions, mm-hmm. earthquake situations, landslide situations. And then also some of those areas are pretty affluent where there's big restrictions on design. Mm-hmm. And sometimes just the natural terrain pulls it up. Then you could go like to the East Coast. You know, we've helped people from the Florida Keys all the way up into uh, Rhode Island. Uh-huh. So a lot of people think, "Oh, I don't need to do hurricane engineering in Rhode Island." Well, yes, you do. You know, so there's situations there with uh, geotechnical reports, uh, different, and you pretty much need a geotechnical report everywhere, but. What a lot of people don't always realize is that you've got to work with uh, base flood elevations, Mm -hmm. like how high off the ground, off off the flood the the house has to be. Does it have to be a foot above the flood, two feet above the flood? Now, maybe by chance your ground is high enough. If it isn't, you put a house on pilings. Sure. So sometimes you end up with different situations, different types of pilings, different types of situations on uh, different types of materials, in some places, the permitting is relatively simple. You know, certain parts of Florida on the ocean are easier than other parts of Florida. Um, what What's interesting about it is it's not really consistent. There are places you could build on the ocean or very close to the ocean, and their regulations are nothing compared to the town across the street. Mm-hmm. So we always look at it as whether or not the building department has an opinion of how to do it. Mm -hmm. There's a way to do it because what people don't realize is if you don't put your house at the right elevation, it can really affect your uh, (laughs) your insurance rates. Yeah,
1: I would imagine.
0: Right. And then there's a lot of different ways of interpreting how high a home has to be off the ground, Mm -hmm. especially on a slope piece of land. So the neat thing about it is um, we can help anyone with it but there's just different situations for environmental purposes uh seabirds uh hurricanes the wind speed of hurricanes one thing but the the surge is also another thing mm-hmm. the ground conditions and and where how how you attach the home to the ground so like in the keys we've done a few projects and they basically uh, pin the the pilings to the uh the the coral the the ground runs there you know other places it's it's a different type of rock other places they just have to bore down a certain percentage of the height Mm -hmm. of it so there's there's kind of been different practices that that uh that evolve in different places Mm -hmm. but the key thing that i think people have to understand is building oceanfront waterfront in general is going to be a different story the ocean being what it is a lot of communities have a lot of uh regulations on what you can do and sometimes there's things that aren't really there for the you know the structural or the wind it's these are beautiful communities you can't build a big monolith in front of your neighbor and block their view right yeah so in a lot of these places you've got to go through and kind of put the frame of a home up sure so that people can see how your proposed house Mm -hmm. blocks someone else's view and, and they can have it so if someone's going to go build, like, in Southern California on the ocean, um, expect a few years. Really? And, and a lot of work to to get through all the the different regulations. Yeah. Um, if you're going to go build in certain parts of Florida, it's kind of a general process of if you were building, say, something in the Midwest. You put the plans together, the building departments review when you go through. But there's just a lot more uh, civil engineering that needs to be done. Mm-hmm. To make sure the ground is right, how you access the house, where's the flood elevation, where's the current grade, where's the proposed grade going to be. And in some places, um, you can use the the space in the pilings for uh, breakaway walls for parking or storage. So there's all different types of uh, flood zones. Mm. So th- there there's a lot of concerns there. There's There's the, hey, how are you affecting your neighbor's view? There's the hurricanes, there's storm surges, there's wind situations, there's landslides, um, there's earthquakes. It all it all kind of depends on where. I mean, you know, think about all the oceans we, you know, or, or waterfront properties. There's a uh, you know Pacific, Atlantic, the Gulf.
1: Well, I'm sure that it's even if you talk about. Because we're going to move on and talk about lakefront properties in a second. But even that, um, I've, I know from experiences that I've talked to friends about that there's also environmental impact stuff when you're building on water that isn't right. anywhere else. Um, can you talk about that for a minute?
0: Yeah, a lot of times there could be uh, protected wildlife. Mm-hmm. Um, they want to keep, you know, septic systems or, you know, whatever sewage farther away. Sometimes there's, like on rivers, they can they can rise and fall. Mm-hmm. There's also currents there. So a little bit of this depends on, uh, you know, what it is. Is it an inland Lake, a big pond? Is it a flowing river? Is it something like, you know, the great lakes, mm-hmm. you know, b- building on those, you can, you can still have challenges, you know, in the UP getting onto big bluffs or you could have a uh, beach situations, kind of like you would have in, in like a Florida situation. So, mm-hmm. There, there's a lot of interesting things going on. But, yeah, there's environmental. But, like I say, sometimes the environment is not blocking your neighbor's view. Yeah, sure. You know, sometimes the environment is uh, a bird situation or the migration routes. Mm-hmm. But and I don't want to make it sound like it's hard. It's just the nature of enjoying the beauty of where you choose to live. Right. You know, and, and there's there's ways to get through that. But um, one thing, which which is kind of interesting, and it's something that – I tell people when they're they're building and and uh, by by, uh, you know, rural areas that are big open fields is I read something somewhere. I can't remember where, but someone said that 80 or 90 percent of America's natural wetlands have been filled in. Right. That's awesome. I mean, that's awful.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah.
0: But but it's it's kind of it's kind of one of these situations where way back 100 years ago, 150 years ago, to make farmland because back sure. then 95% mm-hmm. of America were farmers. Uh-huh. Now it's like 5%. So what, what happens is they, they see a pond or a wetland. hmm They go through, they fill it in with, with soil, and suddenly they're growing beans or corn or whatever they choose to grow on it. And 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 people don't realize that you could walk on that sand. Your great-grandpa could have been walk, walking on that land. Mm-hmm. But someone filled it in. So even though people say, hey, I've owned this, you know, this has been in for 100 years, it's always good to kind of have an understanding of water tables and geotechnical conditions to see what's there. Because although rare, people have excavated. It's more in the Midwest that it's happened, but it could theoretically happen anywhere. Mm-hmm. And they dig down four feet for their, you know, crawl space, and then they hit muck. Right and that muck is 10 feet deep because there used to be a pond there. Hmm. And suddenly there, there's a situation. So again, it's not to scare people. It's people should have an understanding of what's available. And I think that's the level of knowledge that we provide and experience and knowledge to say, Hey, you might want to check this. Now, some sure. people say, Hey, you know, I, I don't need to do that. And you know, maybe it works out. Okay. But we, we want to bring it up to the people to point out the, the situation of what, what they should be looking at. Mm-hmm. Um, As we mentioned a little earlier, there's a lot going on with land. You can't see into it to see what's going on. You don't know where your water connection is until you check with the water department. Mm -hmm. You don't know where your sewer connection is. You don't know where you can put the septic until a soil scientist comes out and does a review. Other things, uh, power. Right. You might see a power pole a block or two away, but that doesn't mean there's enough juice in it to just run a line. Right. Right. So...
1: Well, and we we've been talking about city areas and rural areas and lakefront properties. Usually, as you said, that that kind of falls into the mountain properties kind of thing. Um, yeah, there's a there's a bunch I want to cover, but I don't want to you know have you talking all day long about and going over the same thing. But um, mountain properties—that's always interested me because I live in the mountains, and and it seems to me that that. Also, you know, can can provide some situations that um, that y- unique challenges to building in the mountains. It's got to be something that, you know, Landmark Home and Land Company deals with all the time. So if I want to build in the mountains, there's the environment, there's the slopes, there's a, all kinds of things. What do you think that building in the mountains is something that is a, a an easy process or is that much harder or is it just the way you handle the project itself the build i'll tell you the answer the
0: people that want to live in the mountains want to live in the mountains (laughs) you know they're 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 kind of like hey i want to i've always been a mountain person i like skiing i like you know hiking i I like whatever it is so it's not an option Mm -hmm. they they don't want a flat piece of land someplace they don't want to be in the city and with with uh You know, the telecommuting, people not having to go in the office, people are finding the value of nature Mm -hmm. just for their own kind of sanity, in a sense, their own enjoyment. And and it's beautiful. Mm -hmm. So what it is, is when when you build on the side of a, a hill, a mountain, a big hill, whatever someone may choose to call it, you basically have to do some civil engineering.
1: Sure.
0: Which is basically like a surveyor, civil engineer that would go out and figure out, hey, this is how you can properly place a house to have a reasonable and And code compliant driveway access to your front door can in some areas depending on how remote it is they might ask for a fire make sure a fire truck can get there Mm -hmm. or sprinkler systems whatever it may be so that person can go through to make sure that the, the house works so depending upon the nature of it sometimes the pad or the footprint where where it can be built dictates the house other times someone could pick the house and then by chance it happens to work with them. So sometimes there's a little bit of back and forth, but I got to tell you the mountain properties are, are, are amazing. Um, people just love them. The views that are there, um, what they're doing within s the, the, the step, the, the part of life that they're in. It's, it's just absolutely amazing uh, what, what, what they can put together and the effort that they do to take advantage of, of nature. Mm-hmm. So, Overall to us in in a sense, if you have a a flat piece of land, you know and there's there's deserts where they want grading plans and drainage plans just mm-hmm. because of storms, right, you know these monsoons right. that come through, they want to know that your house you're not putting your house in a hundred year flood zone, right, yeah, you know so <clears throat> excuse me so to to build on the side of a hill, you can say, is it harder? The people that build there don't look at it; they look at the opportunity and the enjoyment of the property. That, that, that's what it is.
1: Everything I've heard you say basically just tells me, and it's telling your customers, your potential uh, customers, don't be afraid of anything <laughs> if you really want to live there. Think about building there. I think that's a that's an off that's an awesome uh, attitude to take for a company. Is, you know, no, you don't. It doesn't sound like you you know try to discourage people from building wherever the heck if the heck they want to build. No,
0: I I think people should build where they want to build. There are mm-hmm. some people that are in the the stage where they want to build a duplex or a quadplex. So that someone else pays for the rent or part of their rent and, Mm -hmm. you know, to them that they're looking at a home as an investment. Other people want to make sure their kids are in the right school or want to make sure that they're by their parents or Mm -hmm. by work. Mm -hmm. Other people want to be far away from work. You know, during the whole pandemic situation, we had people working for big tech companies living a thousand miles away Mm -hmm. from 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 where they uh, where they, quote, worked at the time. So. Different people have different things. Some people are car guys. Some people are into horses. Some people just like their homebodies. They enjoy their home. They mm-hmm. want to have the inside the way it is. Other people are outdoorsy where they just want a box. Sure. Just keep me dry inside, place for my dog, wife, kids, and I want to be able to hike every day or I want to hang glide or whatever it is or people on the lake. I want to fish or I'm a photographer. So what? what we look at is, you know, they have the idea, the dream. This Mm -hmm. is what my house, I'm envisioning it. We're the people that take that idea, put it on paper, get the panelized package so that they can then go through and end up with the house they want, but also control and understand what they're building. Sure. So we actually look at it. We do custom homes. Every single one. I shouldn't say every single one. In 30 years, one person chose the exact house off the website. Everyone else has changed mm-hmm. or drawn up their own plan, and we've made it work for what they want. So we've chosen to take on the excitement of saying, hey, customer, let's help you get the house you want instead of kind of making something work. We're not the shoe store that says, hey, you need a 10 and a half, but 10 will work, just make it work. We're not, no, let's get the right 10 shoe yeah. right? so that it works for what you intend to do. It's a. It's money, it's a lot of work, it can be stressful building, and you better get the enjoyment out of it. Is the mm. way we look at it, you know.
1: So it's a, it's 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 a cool move. You know, the value of enjoying
0: your life is is pretty
1: amazing. Yeah, and and to not be scared off by where you think your dream home should be. Why not?
0: <laughs> it comes well, down. It's it's just a a week or two ago, I got a text from a customer we we helped ten years ago in the Rockies, mm-hmm. saying, Steve, look at this view. <laughs> you know, it's like they're sitting there ten years later, enjoying a glass of wine, watching the sunset. And they thought, "I mean,
1: they say Steve, we wanted to share this. This yeah, is that's amazing. Cool. That's great.
0: You know that that's that's like the biggest pat on the back in the world you can get. Yeah, I would
1: imagine. So what this this all funnels into one? Um, all of these scenarios. Well, you know, as. As a builder, you're at some point, you're going to come across uh, geotechnical issues. Now, first of all, I'd, I'd like you to define for the listeners the term geotechnical, and then give us a rundown on how Landmark Home and Land Company uh, can best serve its customers regarding this area of of home building, because I have to tell you, geotechnical is something that I'm not familiar with at all. Basically, it's the strength of the soils mm-hmm. and the makeup of the soils where your house is going. Ah, got it. So...
0: Are you on granite? Are you on mud? Are you on sand? Are you on expansive clay? Mm -hmm. You know, is it a variety of it? Is it a certain soil going down a foot? Mm -hmm. Then one foot to two feet, it's something else. And two feet to three feet, it's yet another soil. You need to know that so that you can then go through and make sure that the footers and the foundations are right. Mm -hmm. Also get in a situation, is, is there water around there? Right. So the situation that I say is... If if you're out hiking with someone and you're standing on a piece of granite, you're probably pretty solid. You're you're not gonna sink into it. Right. But if you took those same two people and went to like a lake where you might stand at the edge of the lake and a hundred and fifty or two hundred pound person might sink six inches. Right. So that, in a sense, is telling you the strength of the soil. Now, a geotechnical engineer is an educated, licensed person that understands soils. They take a boring, they test it and say, hey, you know, here's what's at these different levels. These are the strengths. And then they make a recommendation to the structural engineer on the type of foundation mm-hmm. that can can be done in the area that the customer chooses to build. Right. So then our stru- our structural engineers take that geotechnical engineer's uh, recommendation and then design the proper design. We then send them, the geotechnical engineer, the design. They can verify it's done right and move forward. And then that gives you the best possible design. Mm. So it's it's something that people don't want to pay for because – you know, it might be a couple thousand dollars and you can't exactly tell your friend. It's like, hey, Steve, look at <laughs> this. I got the coolest geotechnical report ever. Right. People usually like to say, check out my garage, <laughs> to my kitchen, my it's great not, room.
1: It's not sexy, yeah, geotechnical. <laughs> yeah, it's just it's
0: just kind of there. But the reality is, is you don't want a cracked foundation. Sure. Yeah. So some areas, the building departments require it. Other areas, they just say, hey, go with code minimum. So we could work with what the customer requests or the building department require. We just suggest in certain places that people get a geotechnical report. Um, A lot of people are building in areas of Texas that don't have building departments. Really? And Mm. there's expansive soils. So as things get wet, cold, Mm -hmm. hot, cold, the soil expands and contracts. Well, if you have a foundation on it, it's going to lift your foundation and lead to a crack. Right. That That's the same thing you can be on you know anything by water. It's also something around mountain ranges with the erosion of mountains over time. There's different soils,
1: mm-hmm.
0: so it can be weaker. And then there's some places that get even deeper into the geotechnical report. They want a geotechnical report done at the location you're building your home, but then when you excavate, they want the geotechnical engineer to come out and confirm that his test is what's actually showing up at the building site. Right. So it's kind of interesting in different parts of the country, they've they've kind of demanded that you, you really check and double-check what you do. Other places will have a compaction report where you excavate. An engineer goes out there and does a test of the soil to see if it's strong enough for the design foundation. And one thing which is kind of misleading, someone might say, well, my friend lives half a mile down the road. I know the soils are the same. Can't I use his report? I've seen situations where soils change in inches or feet. Oh, right. And there could be uh, different situations that can greatly affect the foundation design and therefore the cost. So, again, it's one of these do your homework up front to find out the parameters of of what you can build. Yeah, it makes
1: sense. Even if there isn't a a strict um, uh, building commission or one at all, you still want to do your homework.
0: Right, it's it's a uh, uh, you know a, a weak foundation is like having a weak foot, mm-hmm. you know, right. you know type type of thing. But again, that's something that that we review with the customer uh, project by project. It can be a little, you know, one one of these kind of little flying the ointment things of oh, why do I have to do this? But what what we found is if sometimes the code minimum actually requests that you build a bigger foundation than your land requires.
1: Uh huh.
0: Other times, when you do a geotechnical report, you find out that your soils aren't as strong as you believe, so the foundation has to be done. You can basically build on any land; it's just a matter of how much of a challenge and the money side of it. Sure, that doesn't make sense, hmm. but it's a uh, it's 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 a it's a smart thing to do.
1: Well, another interesting episode. <laughs> I'm, I I've I'm never ceased to learn things just talking to you. It's it's. Uh, it's great so uh that's gonna wrap it up uh for today but before we let you go steve as always please let the listeners know how to find out more about uh landmark home and land company
0: the easiest thing for anyone to do anytime is look at our website at lhlc.com that's kind of the initials landmark home land company and we've we've got videos on there we have these podcasts we have a variety of uh of plans, different ways. If someone wants a custom plan, kind of take a standard plan and adjust it, and it kind of explains what we do. So they can also put an inquiry through there, and we also have an eight hundred number eight hundred eight three zero nine seven eight eight where they can call in and ask questions, talk to Mike. Mike will work with them on the the details of what they want. You know, just kind of get things put together, and then mm-hmm. at a certain point when they're ready to move forward, uh, I'll I'll step in and and help the customer. But one thing which is important is we're, we're very customer service oriented. We care about our customers projects. We have a lot of customers that come back and build with us again, multiple homes or, the, or a family member comes in or a friend of theirs come in. So we're really concerned about doing it right. We're not just selling a panelized home. We're helping with the design, making sure it works with your land, making sure that it's a set of plans that will work for your building department, and also your contractor understands. So it's a lot more than just a panelized home. It's the proper design, permitting, mm-hmm. and, and support to help you through the process. Um, I think that's where we really excel is caring and really getting into the project to make sure we can help you get the house
1: you want. It's fun. And there you go. Well, thanks again, Steve, and thanks to all of you for listening in to the Panelized Prefab Kit Home Building Show. And for Steve Tuma and myself, have a great day, and we will see you next time. Thanks, Steve. Well, thank you. It's been fun. Thank you.